Good afternoon. Thank you for joining Atlassian's earnings conference call for the first quarter of fiscal year 2022. As a reminder, this conference call is being recorded and will be available for replay from the investor relations sections of Atlassian's website following this call. I'll now hand the call over to Martin Lam, Atlassian's head of investor relations. Please go ahead. Welcome to Atlassian's first quarter of fiscal year 2022 earnings call. Thank you for joining us today. On the call today, we have Atlassian's co-founders and co-CEOs, Scott Farquhar and Mike Cannon Brooks, and our Chief Financial Officer, James Beer. Earlier today, we issued a shareholder letter and press release with our financial results and commentary for our first quarter of fiscal year 2022. The shareholder letter is available on Atlassian's Work Life blog and the Investor Relations section of our website where you will also find our other earnings-related materials, including the earnings press release and supplemental investor data sheet. As always, our shareholder letter contains management's insight and commentary for the quarter. So during the call today, we'll have brief opening remarks and then focus our time on Q&A. This call will include forward-looking statements. Forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other factors that may cause actual results, performance, and achievements to be materially different from any future results, performance, or achievements expressed or implied by the forward-looking statement. You should not rely upon forward-looking statements as predictions of future events. Forward-looking statements represent our management beliefs and assumptions only as of the date such statements are made, and we assume no obligations or revise such statements should they change or cease to be current. Further information on these and other factors that could affect the company's financial results is included in filings we make with the Securities and Exchange Commission from time to time, including the section titled Risk Factors in our most recent Form 20F and quarterly Form 6K. During today's call, we will also discuss non-IFRS financial measures. These non-IFRS financial measures are in addition to and are not a substitute for or superior to measures or financial performance prepared in accordance with IFRS. The reconciliation between IFRS and non-IFRS financial measures is available in our shareholder letter, earnings release, and investor data sheet on the IR website. During Q&A, please ask your full question up front so that we can be fair and easily move through to the next speaker. With that, I'll turn the call over to Mike for opening remarks. Thank you all for joining us today. When Scott and I started at Lassie almost 20 years ago, we wanted to create an amazing company where people love coming to work every day. We were recently named one of the world's best workplaces in 2021 by The Great Place to Work. We're thrilled and humbled to be recognized among the top 25 companies in the world, in any industry, in any country. We've won a lot of trophies over the years, but this recognition is special. It's going straight to the pool room, as we say in Australia. In all seriousness, it's truly one of Scott and my proudest accomplishments. It is a testament to the true stewards of our culture, the many thousands of Atlassians we have around the world who live our values every day. Your resilience, passion, and commitment inspire us. For all of you Atlassians listening, thanks for making this possible. As you've already read in our shareholder letter, our momentum continues as we kept winning in Q1 of fiscal 22. We continue to deliver value to our customers and innovate across all three of our core markets. A great example of this innovation is Jira Service Management. In its first year in the market, Jira Service Management was named a visionary in Gartner's Magic Quadrant for IT Service Management, and its customer base grew 
to over 35,000, up from 25,000 just one year ago. This is the result of a steady drumbeat of innovation and R&D investment as we continually make better and better each and every quarter. And we apply this same philosophy to our offerings in agile development and in work management for all. The continual improvement of our cloud platform is also what's driving our progress forward in the cloud. This quarter, cloud revenue was up 53% year over year. We signed on to the trusted cloud principles, joining as initial signatories alongside Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, and making a commitment to protect our customers' rights, privacy, and data in the cloud. Underscoring this commitment to our customers, we shipped data residency in Australia this quarter on the heels of delivering this critical capability in Europe last quarter. With that, I'll pass the call over to the operator for your questions. Thank you. At this time, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Again, to ask a question, simply press star 1 on your telephone keypad. And your first question comes from the line of Keep Wise. Coming from Morgan Stanley, your line is now open. Excellent. Thank you guys for taking the question, and uh, congratulations on a great quarter. I was hoping you guys could help uh, and dig in a little bit into the work management opportunity. Um, from, from, from the outside, it seems like a, a massive expansion of the TAM for you guys um, that you've been working on for, for a while. But there's also a lot of products that you have that seem to target it. Um, the, the Jira Core, you have Trello, you have uh, Confluent. Can you help us understand kind of the solution portfolio? What specifically in work management are you trying to target? And um, like, what's the competitive dynamic in terms of where you guys are, are going in? Yeah, thanks, Keith. I can take that one off the bat. Look, um, teamwork is very complex. We know that. There's no one correct way or one sim single way to work or collaborate. Um, that's why you see us in the work management for all space in the market, taking a multi-product approach and investing heavily in our platform. Uh, so you've seen us mentioned Jira work management continues to uh, uh, go from strength to strength every quarter. We added a whole bunch of um, great new early customers, UiPath, Avalara, SeaWorld, Bayer, um, who are taking the JIRA family well beyond the uh, initial audiences that we had, I suppose. Again, about half of our JIRA audience is non-technical teams today, and we expect that to continue to uh, improve and, and fuel our growth in that area. At the same time, Trello continues to do well, Confluence continues to do extremely well, uh, and as you've seen from our Point A program uh, with products like Team Central, we really have uh, a very comprehensive offering, I would say, in that space, um, all built on our, our platform story. So we keep talking about uh, world-class automation, analytics, smarts. Um, that is our ability to invest in the R&D to make that platform amazing for every team in every company um, and continuing to, to fill out the, uh, the story across the products and making sure they work well together. We're obviously extremely excited where we, uh, where we sit and how we're performing in that, uh, in that market. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Greg Moskowitz from Mizuho. Your line is now open. 
uh, first of all, congrats to James on all of your accomplishments and a very well-deserved retirement. Uh, and Mike, just on a personal note, wanted to congratulate you and your wife on your Green Pledge and to thank you for all the help that that will provide. Uh, my question relates to the cloud and product pricing. You recently made the uh, decision to raise cloud pricing, which isn't something, uh, quite frankly, that we've seen uh, recently from Atlassian. What gave you the confidence to do so, given that many of your customers are still early in their uh, journey towards the cloud? Well, Greg, thank you very much for the, the thoughts there. Um, you know, the, the first thing I'd say is it just really reflects the strength of the underlying growth of our cloud business. Uh, and that, of course, is all driven by the the very significant value that we're delivering for our customers via these cloud services. You know that we've been putting very significant investment into our cloud products for a number of years now. Uh, and, you know, we always, from a philosophical perspective, want to be a terrific value. Nothing in that notion has changed. Uh, but nonetheless, I think there is an opportunity uh, for us to uh, move pricing along, as we have uh, published just a few weeks ago, uh, by of the order of about 5% across uh, Jira software uh, and Confluence in particular. So I think it's just illustrative of the investment that we've put in and how that's working out well for our customers. Uh, we had uh, have had now in a few of our shareholder letters uh, examples, quotes from customers, talking about the, the savings that they enjoy when they implement our cloud products, when they look at the total cost of ownership, uh, they're realizing that uh, it makes sense for them from a cost equation. And, of course, uh, oftentimes more important for these customers, they're able to, uh, in essence, take their people and have them work on higher-value-added tasks. Our software is able to... Uh, do so much of the lower value added work for them. Uh, I, yeah, I just think it's uh, you know, a, a terrific example of uh, our long term orientation uh, to uh, R&D investing. Greg, I was going to add some things to James there. Um, I think he answered that really well. Um, you know, we've had a long term philosophy of optimizing prices and we've over the years raised prices, uh, we've lowered prices, we've introduced new tiers in addition, both at the low end uh, for free at the high end with premium and enterprise. And, you know, our philosophies has evolved over the years. It's uh, more towards uh, frequent, smaller price changes. And uh, as someone that keeps all our prices publicly available on a website, which is different to most enterprise software companies, um, you can see those changes. And, you know, it might from the outside look like we're making more changes than other people, but I think it's a, a result of that philosophy um, and the fact that we're public about how we interact with our customers. And, you know, our philosophy is always to be sure that we provide the best value uh, for in whatever price our customers have to pay and, uh, and be a, uh, a no-brainer for all our customers to engage with and buy at last unit. So you'll continue to see us do this as we have over the last 20 years. Thank you. Your next question comes from James Fish from Piper Sandler. Your line is now open. And, and James, congrats on, on retirement ahead of time. Um, wanted to touch upon the data residency. You're, you're offering it in four locations now across three continents. Yes, what areas are you guys expected to expand to or seeing the largest demand for this that, that you aren't addressing today? 
And has there been any delays in customer decisions at all between uh, deciding between data center versus cloud additions at all and any sense of the mix between data center um, um, and cross uh, kind of the product lines? Thanks, Jess. Thanks, James. I can I can certainly take the first part of that question. I'll leave the, the second, the mix shift uh, part to uh, to James. Look, um, for sure, we, we launched Data Center in Australia uh, this quarter. Um, we we had the example of Commonwealth Bank, one of the, the largest banks in Australia, I think one of the largest banks in the world. Um, you know, moved to our cloud, um, t- tens of thousands of users, uh, as a result of not just data residency in Australia, but all of the um, performance and scale improvements, uh, compliance, uh, uh, legal, regulatory improvements we've made in our enterprise platform, uh, from access to premium and enterprise um, to support for all the different standards that we, we support. So that's, I would say, a generalized part of our enterprise cloud journey as we continue to make sure we can support uh, the, the needs of our largest customers in the cloud. Um, we continue to build out our infrastructure platform that we can roll out new geographies faster and faster. Each one we roll out is, is a little quicker than the one before and unlock some portion of customers to move. As always, uh, we continue to be R&D first, so working on automating that so that it works, and secondly, customer-led. So we build out those geographies as uh, we learn from customers about where, where the greatest needs are. Um, but we, we expect to continue to have um, more data residency in more areas of the globe uh, as we work with our customers. Uh, on the cloud uh, DC uh, data center mix, uh, I'll, I'll chat through that one. But just a bit of background, you know, look with these big, you know, transitions and customer transitions. Like, there's, a, there's always a chance if you do them wrong, you could uh, end up in the doghouse. Um, but like, that's not what's happening here. We've done such a great job um, across our customers, across our partners, um, and just to give some stats, our channel partner sales are up uh, 300% year-on-year in terms of selling cloud um, compared to what they were a year ago. Um, We're seeing great demand from new customers on top of uh, migrations and, you know, great customer stories like uh, Carflight Health, who moved 1,200 users, including 50 apps uh, from server to cloud. Um, And Commonwealth Bank, as as you mentioned, is, you know, a huge, highly regulated uh, industry in Australia um, in banking. Uh, moved in tens of thousands of their users across uh, from DC to cloud. So really excited by that. Um, on the uh, DC to cloud mix, as we said, this is a multi-year transition for our biggest customers, and uh, we still expect a, you know, a large portion of our customers to move uh, over the coming years, and that is as our customers build up their capability and um, you know, engage with the transition and uh, and. and you know, in the meantime, while they're, you know, while that's happening, they're still buying DC. We're seeing a lot of customers expand the usage of DC as they prepare, and that speaks to the quality of our product and the demand for what we provide is that they are, you know, still uh, purchasing uh, kind of as they make their migrations to cloud. Um, to give some comfort around, you know, people not being stuck at DC, like we're really comfortable with that transition uh, point, um, 30% of our cloud migrations are coming from data center customers today. And so we do see uh, a lot of our customers, you know, maybe go from server to DC to cloud or have been a DC for many, many years and making that migration to cloud or not ready, you know, just yet, but still doubling down on their investments with Atlassian. So um, I think what you can take away from that is our customers are just continuing to commit themselves to Atlassian. 
And if I could just pile on a little further with one other factoid to support that. Uh, when you think about the cloud business, uh, we're obviously pleased with the 53% growth that we recorded year over year in Q1. You know, as we think about migrations, yes, obviously this is a, an important initiative for the company. Uh, but I'm only expecting migrations to drive approximately mid-single-digit growth for us uh, in that cloud, uh, uh, in the subscription revenue line. So a uh, relatively modest growth driver for us, and that just really illustrates how uh, we're going nicely in terms of user expansion, uh, selling premium additions, uh, the free-to-paid funnel uh, is working well, and, and churn is, is working well as well. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Tyler Radke from City. Your line is now open. Yeah, thanks for taking the question and echo my uh, congrats to you, James. Um, you, you referenced in the shareholder letter just some tougher comps, um, you know, in, in the second half uh, on the, the data center side. I'm curious how we should think about the trajectory of, of cloud growth from here. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of dynamics between the um, cloud uh, price increase and, and just some of the, the, the things that happened last year. So would you expect that the, the cloud growth has tougher comps in the second half as well, or, or do you think that can kind of sustainably um, grow at the rate that we saw here in Q1? Thanks for the question. I mean, what we've said, this was a quarter or so ago, was for uh, fiscal 22, we would expect our rate of cloud growth to be accelerating year over year, uh, full year over full year. Uh, and certainly, yes, you're right, we uh, had a particularly strong back half for the data center business. Uh, recall how in Q3 of last year, uh, we had uh, quite a lot of uh, customer activity where they stepped in front of price increases, uh, both on the server and the data center uh, products. Uh, and then, of course, Q3 was also the quarter last year in which we uh, ceased uh, new server license sales. Now, uh, we'll see how that plays out this coming Q3. Uh, we've already announced, uh, of course, this coming Q3 that we will cease uh, selling server license upgrades. Uh, so uh, the uh, cloud business, as I was just saying, uh, remains in, in very good shape, uh, you know, very much consistent with the, the significant investing that we've been doing in it over recent years, and we uh, plan to continue to do that. So we're, uh, we're very enthused uh, as to how the underlying business is performing. Uh, and in terms of migrations, I, I was mentioning that sort of smaller component of growth uh, that that will drive. Uh, if you just take a step back uh, and think about the migrations timeline, I, I would say we're very much on track uh, with what we've been talking about now for the last year plus or so. Uh, so we're pleased by our progress there, uh, and uh, uh, we've talked in uh, in the past about how you know, we have a, you know, a good portion of that uh, migration work to do in fiscal 23 and beyond. Thank you. And your next question comes from Michael Turin from Wells Fargo. Your line is now open. 
Hey there, thanks. Uh, congrats on another impressively clean quarter here. Uh, you're, you're still adding nearly 12,000 net new customers. Appreciate the updated disclosures there. Can you help step through what's driving that continued top of funnel strength? How should we think about Q1, maybe relative to the pace you can deliver throughout the course of the year as the environment normalizes? And it looks like Jira Service Management, I know you commented on it at the, the onset here, added 5,000 customers, at least for prior disclosure. Can you just provide an update on some of the adoption trends or interest levels you're seeing there? Uh, the upcoming world tour looks looks interesting as well. Thank you. Well, I can start off on, on that one. Um, you know, first of all, uh, yeah, by the uh, incremental customer count uh, number that we've published today, you uh, one uh, that reflects, I think, again uh, how. People are, are very much embracing digital transformation, embracing remote work. I think the the uh, compatibility of our product set seems is clear, uh, and uh, so we're we're very encouraged by that. Uh, certainly, uh, Q1's number of over 11,700 it was a nice Q1 uh, where the number was a little over 6,700. Um, so uh, remarkable strength year over year. Yes, the number will move around uh, quarter to quarter. We, we've traditionally uh, said that, uh, but uh, uh, you know we're very uh, much focused on last quarter in Q4 was one that particularly benefited uh, from some uh, of our free to paid optimizations. Now that's an ongoing process. Uh, we work at that when it rolled out uh, a year ago, and uh, we're really pleased by the uh, market response to service management, uh, really resonating with customers from very small, you know, who can adopt. If I might just uh, add something on a philosophical level there. Uh, two, two and a half years ago, I think we, we wrote in our shareholder letter that we were going to double this in front of us that we're investing against, uh, as we said. Um, but hopefully it's a proof point that um, that we do what we, we tell you we're going to do. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, first of all, it's a pleasure to be covering uh, you guys. Um, maybe the, just the, the big picture question around cloud. Um, from the perspective of cloud migration, start thinking about your original expectations, specifically for your enterprise cohort. Can you help us understand how, you feel, you know, differently or any level of incremental confidence in potentially migrating that cohort sooner uh, than you planned or any guidance on, on that progression from a timeline perspective? And separately, as we think on a broader spectrum, your offering uh, being so much more uh, broad-based, you know, in the cloud, what are you seeing with respect to cross-sell and upsell opportunities uh, within the, within that cohort and customer base versus maybe your your initial plans. Right, I'll cover the first one um, in terms of enterprise uh, cohort and migrations. Um, nothing has changed from uh, what we've outlined previously, which is it's going to take a, it's a multi-year journey, um, and uh, you know we need to do some work on our end to uh, you know accommodate. You know, different regulations in different areas and data residency and there's some engineering things on our side. Um, and customers, for them, you know, moving some of these large systems can be a, uh, 
a month, you know, multi-month-long process that they uh, that they need to do to make sure that they can do the change management for their employees. And so, um, nothing's changed uh, along those uh, those lines. Um, we are seeing great customer demand uh, at, at all levels in terms of uh, migrating to clouds. Um, they all know the cloud is the destination. They're really excited by it. Um, as James and others mentioned, you know, the total ship is uh, significantly lower for them. So. Um, I would say that we're tracking as we've uh, as we expected, um, and uh, really pleased with that progress. Mike, did you want to talk about the cross-sell upsell? Sure, Alex. Um, look, the, the way we think about this is um, cross-sell and upsell, uh, expanding the users and the, the penetration, the use cases within our customers is an inherent and deeply built part of our DNA, and it has been. We've been a multi-product company for an awfully long time now. Uh, when you hear us talk about our three markets in terms of Agile DevOps, ITSM, and Worker Management for All, there are lots of overlap opportunities both in the, in the customers between those uh, and in the products. So you see, obviously, Jira Service Management working alongside Jira Software to get developers and IT uh, admins uh, closer together in delivering value. Uh, that is both a purposeful um, strategy on our behalf and also uh, purposefully built into the platform and all of the shared infrastructure that we use. So uh, things like automation, um, our Forge and Connect extensibility platforms, um, all of the uh, user experiences, uh, things like the editor and other things that are, are common across those uh, products is an intentional part of that uh, journey. You also see us in our Point A program continuing to uh, innovate and deliver new offerings. You can see that in Compass in the Agile DevOps space, in Team Central in the Worker Management for All space, looking at uh, goals and status updates and help and the, the cultural and humanistic side of teams and people and how they come together, how work is actually delivered across projects, goals, uh, metrics, strategies, help, and, and the teams that actually deliver that. Our platform enables us to move our users around to where they get most value from our product family, and we continue to get better and better at that. Uh, every quarter, I would say, we improve at how we do that. The last part is it's inherently tied into our philosophies around pricing. So we talk a lot about free and how that's changed um, and obviously accelerated the movement of new customers. It also has a huge effect on cross-flowing of users because you can move from product A to product B, but there's no payment, there's no charge for product B until you've started to see value to deliver the value. We've always talked about getting value to customers first. We pay our second for the value that they've, they've been delivered. Um, so free actually plays into both the platform story in the cloud and also the three uh, major markets and all the new uh, innovation and products we have coming out uh, targeting those markets. So uh, hopefully that gives a sense of how it holistically all, all works together in our, in our thinking. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Fred Havemeyer from Macquarie. Your line is now open. Hi. Thank you, and uh, congratulations. I'll just echo what most others have said on a uh, very solid quarter here. And, James, it's been a pleasure working with you. I'm looking forward to continue working with you as you transition, and all the best with uh, retirement. So I'd like to ask about cybersecurity here. Uh, during the quarter, there was that confluence exploit in the to older on-premise versions of Confluence, in which you quickly mitigated. You know, all software eventually will have an exploit discovered, but it was notable here that Atlassian's cloud products were immune uh, to the exploit that was in the wild. 
I'm curious, did you see any customers accelerating their server to cloud migration pathways around this event? And then also more generally, how do you think about Atlassian's approach to cybersecurity across your different deployment models? Hi, Fred. Um, look, obviously that uh, security in software and technology is an incredibly hard challenge, one that continues to get harder all the time. Um, one of the ways we can fight that is by having an absolutely world-class security team, which we do have, continuing to work day in, day out on behalf of our customers and securing them. The Confluence um, uh, incident that you talked about, again, had already been patched. It was already, we had shipped the updates and everything else in time, and it was a question of how fast the customers updated their own software. One of the benefits of the cloud, as you point out, is that we do that for them. So we had done that instantaneously on behalf of all of our uh, hundreds of thousands of customers uh, without them even having to wake up. So we can do that overnight. We can do that for them. We can roll it out instantly and fast. Um, we can also do a lot of other analysis, obviously, in the cloud. And that's one of the benefits of SaaS software in general is we are really, really, really good at running our own applications, as you expect us to be. We are the best in the world at running our own products, securing them, scaling them, uh, and that is the benefit of our cloud for those enterprise customers. Uh, I don't have any um, directional data on uh, whether that's affected the general migration timeline, but I can tell you that it's certainly one of the advantages that our customers see, uh, especially the larger they get, um, but also on the small ones. We should. We often talk about security in large companies. For small companies, our world-class team is far better than whatever security team they have in-house because, you know, if you're a 10- or 20-person company, that stuff is really, really, really hard. And so um, it's, it's, you know, baked into our DNA, and I think it's yet another advantage of, um, of the, the migration to Alassian's cloud. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of... Arjun Bassia from William Blair. Your line is now open. Yes, perfect. Um, thank you very much, and congrats on a, on a great quarter again. Uh, I want to maybe dig a little bit deeper into Jira service management. I know you called out the strength uh, in, in customer growth. Since you've launched this new offering that bundles in Jira service desk and Ops Genie and, and other functionality, including the CMDB, have you noticed a change in the type of customer that is that is adopting uh, Jira service management versus the prior Jira service desk? Meaning, are you seeing more sophisticated customers, more enterprise deployments there as this uh, this offering has scaled? Yeah, thanks, Arjun. Great question. Um, obviously, in the ITSM space, we think we are extremely uniquely positioned. Uh, we're the only vendor that can bring together your software teams with your IT teams in a, in a single plane of glass, uh, in, a, in a singular platform that's both comprehensive and modern. And that gives us a real leg up into customers uh, managing their IT uh, workflows, but also managing the workflows that IT is responsible for on behalf of other teams in the business. So one of the biggest changes we've seen since Jira Service Management's um, uh, release is not only IT teams adopting it in ever greater numbers uh, with things like Forge and automation and all the other things that come in the box as well as obviously the asset management, uh, the inclusion of Ops Genie and, and rostering for modern uh, service management and, and paging operations, 
Um, we continue to see that resonating really, really strongly with IT teams. What we're seeing is the family of products that we deliver, though, increasingly uh, seen as visionary by, uh, as was noted earlier, by Gartner, but others, in terms of how we play across not just Jira service management and even Jira software and Jira service management, but in uh, things like Confluence and how that comes together, in Jira work management to enable IT teams to deliver applications at very, very low cost uh, on top of uh, the Jira platform to already familiar users. Uh, and obviously in things like Compass in our Point A program for managing their, their software components and digital assets, which is incredibly complicated for customers to deal with at the moment. Um, and then through things like uh, Team Central to the more uh, cultural aspect. So I think what's resonating with IT teams is not just Jira service management, although obviously that's doing extremely well at the moment, is the offering that we off we we can show to an IT administrator or a CIO or a CEO about how we can help them across their digital transformation, uh, all the things the IT team is, uh, is responsible for, not just uh, their own day-to-day -day work. And if I could just uh, add on one thing to what Mike was saying there, we've spoken earlier about our pricing philosophy as always being oriented on excellent customer value. I think Jira Service Management is, is a classic example of where we're an exceptionally good value uh, and, and our, our customers are recognizing that. Thank you. And your next question comes from the line at Itai Kidron from Oppenheimer. Your line is now open. Uh, thanks and congrats on great quarter and James, uh, all the best and good luck. Um, I guess I have a question regarding the data center growth this quarter, which was very strong. And I'm trying to think about whether um, the growth there really reflects more uh, server customers preferring to stay on premise and shift the data center rather than move to the cloud. So maybe you can talk about what's driving the data center uh, growth. How do you think about the trade-off? from server into cloud versus um, data center. Uh, and also for regards to the transition to the cloud, I, in the past you've kind of talked about uh, the, uh, the transition being likely back and loaded and it sounds like it's going to track. Um, but you also talked about uh, medium and large size customers being more the back end of this transition rather than the front of it. Does that still hold or are you seeing um, the larger customers um, actually move early rather than sooner rather than later? Hi, you say, uh, Scott, you for the, the thoughts there. Oh, Scott, you jump. <laughs> Um, so I'll just jump in first before I let James answer the more specific sort of uh, finance questions. I, I don't have too much to add beyond sort of the earlier answer, which is that, um, you know, the, our customers want our last team's products. We see really strong demand for our products. And where customers can't yet move to our cloud, they're choosing to invest in our VC products um, where they can go straight to the cloud. We're seeing increasing demand for, you know, as you see for our New customer numbers and our cloud revenue numbers are all showing great, strong demand for our cloud offerings. And as I said, like DC is, you know, by no means a dead end. It is uh, basically a stepping stone towards a cloud, and we're seeing that with, you know, 30% of our uh, cloud migrations coming from DC. So I feel really great about that. Um, I, you know, I think DC growth will continue to be strong as, uh, you know, our customers continue to adopt the license products and uh, make their choice to move to the cloud. Through some specifics. 
Yeah, just to add on a couple of things, uh, Itai. Uh, recall that we have uh, raised prices on the data center products uh, around 15%. Uh, that got implemented in Q3, so as the courses go by, you see uh, that effect coming through. Uh, the other thing I uh, add is that uh, we did see that unusual volume of data center activity in Q3. Uh, now, uh, much of that showed up in the revenue results in Q3, uh, but also uh, there was a significant deferred revenue balance uh, that got generated in Q3. And so the subsequent quarters, Q4, now Q1, uh, have also benefited from some of the roll-off of that deferred revenue uh, balance as well. And, and as to uh, uh, the, the timetable part of your question, you know, I, I would expect uh, that uh, uh, we would continue to see uh, the bigger proportion of uh, our migrating customers be the, the larger medium-sized uh, customers uh, migrating in fiscal 23 and beyond. Uh, they have the most complex requirements and so forth. Uh, so I, that continues to be our expectation, that we're very much tracking along to uh, the original steer that we gave you on the migration timetable. Thank you. Your next question comes from Brent Phil from Jefferies. Your line is now open. Um, hi, this is Mark Soda on for Brent Phil. Congrats on a great start to the fiscal year, and uh, congrats, James, on an amazing run. Um, wanted to ask a couple questions. One was, you know, as part of the price changes this year, um, you also offered some incremental pricing discounts for the enterprise customers. So I wanted to ask whether that is to incentivize more enterprise customers to move to the cloud, and will that have a bigger impact on the migration pace? Or should we expect, you know, the discounts that you have in place to have a bigger impact? And then my second question was around the opportunity, uh, you know, from standard to premium. Um, you know, could you help us think about that opportunity set? Uh, you know, what percentage of your customers are on the cloud standard edition? And, uh, you know, how would you move them to premium? Thank you. Uh, well, thanks for the, uh, the question. Um, in terms of uh, the enterprise uh, size customers uh, and pricing, um, we've got uh, at least a couple of things going on in recent months. Uh, back in July, uh, what we published were, in essence, extensions of our pricing curves. Previously, the pricing curves had accommodated uh, small, medium-sized type customers, uh, but increasingly we're seeing larger customers looking to move to the cloud. So we extended those pricing curves to larger user levels, very much consistent with the way our pricing curves in the data center business and the server business have been designed. Uh, and so, you know, perhaps not surprisingly, the larger number of users you commit to, uh, the uh, somewhat lower would be the per user price. So what you saw us publishing in July was just reflecting the reality that larger customers are now moving over to the cloud, so we needed to update our pricing. 
the other theme that's relevant in terms of migrations uh, for these larger customers, of course, is, are the loyalty discounts uh, that we've had in place now for uh, quite a while. Uh, and as of uh, July 1, uh, just passed, uh, we reduced the attractiveness of those discounts. They're still very attractive, so 40% uh, uh, um, discount for uh, server customers moving uh, over to the cloud, for example. Uh, and uh, those step down uh, over time. Uh, there'll be another step down next July 1. Uh, and so those have worked, I think, quite nicely to encourage uh, some of the larger enterprises to uh, uh, begin their movement to the cloud, you know, consistent with how we've expanded the capabilities of our cloud offerings. Uh, in terms of the second part of your question around uh, standard edition uh, and so forth, uh, we've been really pleased with the take-up of our premium edition. More recently now, enterprise edition is also off to a good start. Uh, so. Uh, you know, we're pleased with that strong premium adoption. Uh, we've noticed, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, that uh, our premium edition customers have lower churn rates and so forth. Um, so we will continue with our uh, philosophy and, and, and history of adding more functionality, more making those premium editions more attractive to our customers. Uh, and so, uh, uh, obviously, at the end of the day, it's their decision, but we're, we're infused by the... Uh, the future for our, uh, our premium and enterprise editions. Thank you. Your next question comes from Steve Koenig from SNBC. Miko, your line is now open. Hi there. Thanks, Atlassian. Uh, I will echo my congratulations as well on a real solid quarter. Um, so I'm newer to Atlassian, but um, I haven't seen the disclosure on revenue by deployment. Uh, and if that's new as I think it is, my kudos to you for um, putting in that revenue by deployment. Um, really, really, very helpful. Um, I, you've given plenty of color around why data center, you know, trend. Um, I'd like to ask a question, focus more about cloud here as you look to customers moving to cloud. Are there particular products and capabilities that will be um, – more instrumental uh, that'll be key to driving customers to cloud and particularly larger customers later in time, you know, and or pricing and packaging options that you might be considering as well. Thanks very much. It's uh, Scott here. I'm sure Michael has some stuff to add on here. In terms of products and capabilities, um, you know, we were, uh, we're really excited by cloud, which, uh, you know, over well, over 90% of our new customers are choosing our, our cloud products today, and so we're, you know, we feel like that's the uh, default choice for uh, for anyone investing in Atlassian uh, today. For some of our existing new, uh, our ecosystem, um, you know, effectively there's a lot of apps that people have behind their firewall, and and uh, and our ecosystem have jumped on that and, and built apps for the cloud and and so forth. But there's a bit of a more of a stickiness and sort of moving people across uh, from that, like our cloud vendors need to provide, uh, you know, migration paths. So that's an area of investment uh, for us. As Mike mentioned earlier in the call, data residency in certain, and certifications in certain areas are um, an area that we continue to invest in. I don't think you can ever, you know, have data centers close enough to your customers for performance and uh, regulation reasons, and so that'll, that'll probably never be done. 
um, but uh, we're continuing to invest in those areas and certifications for specific uh, verticals that our customers uh, are after. Um, we've continued to improve scale over time. Uh, you know, we when we started this, uh, this journey and, and talking with uh, you, you know, we were sitting down in single digit uh, thousands uh, supporting in cloud. We're now you know, into tens of thousands and you know, well on our way to hundreds of thousands uh, in terms of uh, vertical scale in, in the cloud. So there's some of the areas of continued investment. Um, and the great part about that is that our customers are, are partnering with us, with us on all these investments. And so we know that they're um, got great ROI for the, uh, the investments we're making. Um, in terms of like unique packaging or you know capabilities, some great benefits of being in the cloud that we we have one user management system across all of our cloud products, and that allows us to put things like our point A products in front of new customers a lot easier than then having to download and install and configure something new. And so um, that gives us a lot more flexibility with how we um, price and package uh, our products together and. Uh, as Michael alluded to earlier, you know, with free, that's given us a lot more opportunities to get things in front of customers without them having to make a purchase decision before they're getting value. So we are seeing um, that's sort of critical to how we uh, we get uh, functionality in front of our in front of our customers. And so you'll see us, you know, continue to pricing and packaging and um, how we put our products in front of our customers, like to uh, deliver value to them uh, over time, whether it's additions, free, standard. Um, or it's you know unique bundles of how we put products together. Um, you know for customers that want to buy multiple of our products together, you'll see us continue to innovate uh, over time. I just wanted to Scott covered a, lo a lot of the nuts and bolts, uh, and I think you know uh, we're well known for our execution against all of those things, from additions all the way up to uh, all the other bits and pieces Scott talked about, uh, especially if you're new to Atlassian, Steve. One of the things I wanted to, to reinforce there, you talked about the opportunities in cloud beyond migrating customers to it. I would reinforce that I think the opportunities in front of Atlassian have never been greater across all three of our markets that we sit in at the moment. And we've been as clear as we can be that we intend to invest in playing offense across all three of those markets. We continue to invest heavily in the cloud platform, everything from the the big end of town, all the regulatory and legal and compliance changes that we think will be a great moat over time because it's very, very hard to do at scale, um, all the way down to investing in new products, as you've seen in point A, uh, and continuing our culture and DNA of delivering innovation on a continued drumbeat to our customers to serve their needs. Um, and lastly, we've indicated we continue to invest in talent. It's an incredibly tough market out there. If you talk to any other company, the market for talent has never been harder. And we just had a record quarter for hiring. People are choosing to come and work for Atlassian, and we are investing in that talent to continue to go after those opportunities. And that is a really good thing to understand about where we currently sit. Thank you. Your next question comes from Ari Terjanian from Cleveland Research. Your yes. Uh, hello, thank you for taking the question and congratulations on the results. Um, <clears throat> had noticed a couple of management changes in the shareholder uh, global enterprise sales. Would love any more color you could provide on on those changes. Thank you. Look, it's uh, plenty of time to celebrate James's achievement to greener pastures of, uh, of uh, his flying, I suspect, uh, around and lifelong dream to be a fighter pilot. 
Uh, but we have ultimate thanks, and he's, um, you know, he's given us plenty of notice. Um, so I think you can see his achievement has been amazing. On the management team broadly, I think one thing I would celebrate is we have we have a very stable management team. We've long been believers that the best technology companies have stable management teams that learn and grow together over many, many, many years. So the stability of our management team for a long time now has been incredibly good. Um, as such, it's amazing to be able to give both Anu and Joff, who are both stars on our team, you know, huge new opportunities, right? And giving them opportunities and promoting that growth uh, of internal staff is, is fantastic and something that we've always, um, you know, prided ourselves on as a, as a company. Uh, in terms of those roles, look, uh, we've never had a chief operating officer before operating our business. We, we have an incredibly complicated business across multiple markets, multiple deployment options, uh, globally distributed talent, and uh, operations and planning in our business is not a simple exercise. Um, at the same time, we're clearly operating a large-scale transformation to migrate our customers. Uh, we are continuing to transform how we serve our enterprise customers as best we can. Uh, we are also continue, continuing to grow uh, the Atlassian uh, economy, as we call it, all of the parts around Atlassian, from Forge and the marketplace through to our, our partners and everything else. Um, there's a lot of uh, complexity that needs to come to operating all of those transformations in, in sequence and in synchrony, synchronized with each other. Um, and Anu is, is perfectly uh, um, skilled to do that and I think improve how we actually operate uh, we are not satisfied with our current operations and would like to continue to improve. On uh, Joff, we, we've never had a chief product officer. Joff has led the work management for all uh, group of products in Confluence and Trello for a long time and uh, does a phenomenal job of that. Taking on uh, the other two markets is a, is a natural progression and growth opportunity for him, especially as we look at, as I talked beforehand, tying the different markets together for our customers in certain ways. So whether that's a single plane of glass across development teams and IT teams, whether that's IT teams serving the work management for all use cases and apps and workflows of uh, non-technology teams. Uh, increasingly, not just really excited with the team we have. I love coming to work every day. I think our whole management team do, and uh, we're doing an excellent job. Oh, Kevin, sorry, yes. Um, look, Kevin's been a huge add um, to... Uh, the, the revenue function in general, um, leading our sales efforts uh, as we um, continue to expand. Again, we grew customers more than a million dollars, uh, over 70% in our last, uh, we, we, we talked about last quarter, so uh, we certainly need to continue to do that. And um, Kevin brings a wealth of experience from a series of the best technology companies in the world and uh, continue to be excited about how he helps us evolve uh, our model and our business as we Thank you. And your next question comes from Pat Ravens from JNP Securities. Your line is now open. Hey, guys. This is Joey. I'm for Pat. Thank you so much for taking the questions. Um, so there's two from our end. Um, first, you know, congrats to James on the promotion – or, sorry, on the uh, retirement. Um, so how are you thinking about what you're looking for in your next CFO? And then lastly, just on Forge, I'd love to get an update there and your, your ultimate vision there. Thank you. Yes, thanks for the questions. Um, I'll answer about James and uh, Mike can answer about Forge. Uh, firstly, you know, James has done an incredible job. Like He's by far the best uh, CFO we've had at Atlassian, and uh, 
you know, been around 20 years, we've had, uh, even though we've had great stability, I think we've had five or six over that period of time. And, uh, you know, I think we'd do, we'd do well to find someone that, uh, that walks very much in James's footsteps. Um, to be specific about some of the things I think we need as we grow, um, capital allocation as a, as a company. Um, we have so many opportunities in front of us. Um, how to make sure that we allocate capital in the right way, in a scalable way, that we do it looking over the long term and we don't optimise for you know, short-term returns. Um, that's going to be really important. And uh, not just sort of making those decisions, uh, it's building the systems to allow the company to make those decisions um, at all levels of uh, Alassian. And that will you know, include things like how we, you know, cost values of our projects, uh, you know, as you move to cloud, we're making sure that uh, we understand where our, our COGS goes and the microservices we build and how we make sure we make uh, articulate decisions around around those areas. And so, um, you know, I think James has done a great job of understanding our business. As Mike mentioned, it's, um, you know, it spans lots of different areas. And so I think that, uh, you know, finding someone that is a systems thinker uh, much like James is, um, who can uh, help us grow and allocate capital and really tackle the huge opportunity we have uh, in, in front of us uh, is, is what we're after. Thank you. Um, I, can, I can answer the question on Forge. I think there was a second part just on there. Sorry, uh, operator. Um, look, we've talked a lot about, about Forge. It, it is our uh, next generation extensibility and development platform. Um, it adds capabilities around security and data residency and all of the other things that is fairly unique, I would say, in the whole SaaS ecosystem in terms of how do you deal with all of the enterprise compliance and uh, regulatory requirements in different geographies of the world and still allow extensibility of your SaaS applications. This is a huge technical challenge, and I'm really, really proud of how the Forge team uh, is attacking that. Um, it lets us run the applications so we can continue to tune and improve them, uh, but the third-party developers all customers uh, get a very stable and simple uh, extensibility and development platform that's that's fast and performant but also secure. Um, it's worth noting, I know it's often talked about the the marketplace and the vendors and the economy we have around glassing, which is fantastic, forges as much for our customers. So a lot of the fantastic early use cases that we're seeing are customers using Forge to extend applications, to integrate with their own services, to connect applications together in unique ways alongside all of the other things like our smarts and automation and um, d different facilities of the platform. Um, really excited about where Forge uh, is at. Um, again, we've GA'd the platform at this stage, but we will continue, obviously, as we do, to improve it uh, every single quarter. Um, and I believe we've now passed 500-odd uh, uh, Forge apps and continue to head on as we, again, have one of the largest um, app marketplaces in the enterprise. Uh, we continue to um, to grow that, and I think Forge has a, a huge potential going forward. Thank you. And your last question is from Keith Backman from Bank of Montreal. Your line is now open. Thank you very much. Um, I wanted to, to revisit on uh, upsell, and my specific question is, can you get any directional or specifics on the difference on cloud versus what was server and data center? And the two uh, thought process here is, one, you're getting a lot of information conversions. And it, at that time, it, it, is there a step up in terms of uh, total value uh, that the customers 
subscribing to Atlassian in terms of either capacity or cross-sell. And then the second would just be, as you mentioned, there's a lot of customers that are going straight to the cloud. How does their upsell rate over time compare to data center and or server? Thank you. Uh, I'll add, uh, I'll start off here and if anyone might think wants to add anything to it. Um, look, as we know um, and have said that in the cloud, we provide more value for our customers in terms of we're hosting it for them, we're upgrading it for them, we allow them to, you know, return a whole bunch of their staff back to doing high value opportunity, you know, opportunities for, uh, for themselves. And so, um, we do capture a portion of that, uh, commensurate value, uh, with our cloud pricing. Um, compared to uh, to DC, and so um, that's an important thing. I think you uh, are all aware of. Um, if you look at uh, in our uh, our products behind the firewall, um, it was uh, there's a lot of friction involved in expansion, um, less than many other software vendors. But uh, if you exceeded a license, you'd still have to contact us and you know uh, pay some more, uh, you know, get a new purchase order, and you know that that process is just a little more. Uh, frictionful than having a credit card on online and you know you add users and they just turn up straight away and so I think the reduction of that friction at all areas of the uh, product journey is something excited by whether that is starting for free with a click rather than a, a download and an install um, whether that is being able to invite uh, your colleagues because we can tie into the single sign-on uh, solution of that company, and so it's much easier to add and uh, you know second and third uses there. Um, and so I think there's you know I could go probably for half an hour on all the different opportunities that are there. Um, and I think if you said cross sell is a lot easier because that second and third product, um, we can put it in front of uh, customers where we believe um, that they have uh, value, um, and not in front of ones where we don't. So we not you know we can be much more specific and targeted. And a great example of that is if, if you're inside. Jira now uh, in our cloud products, and uh, we have a, a tab on the left-hand side that says you want to you know, write a specifications document, a requirement document, or write some documents associated with your project. Um, we allow you to instantly start a trial of Confluence uh, for, for doing that task, and it is uh, a great experience, Like, and uh, that's something that's just not possible to do uh, behind uh, the firewall. So, uh, you know, to... to uh, you know, it's something we continue to invest in, and we're going to get better at it over time. I won't say we're, you know, I think we're, we're really good at the moment. I, I don't think, uh, I think there's a lot of areas where we can still improve uh, on all those different areas. And so, um, I'm, you know, excited by what our teams come uh, up with week in, week out, and improving that sort of cross-sell, upsell, you know, customer experience that we have. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our Q&A session for today. I will hand it back over to our presenter for any closing remarks. I just want to thank everyone for joining our call today. Like, we really appreciate uh, your ongoing support, and uh, we really hope that you and your loved ones remain safe and healthy. Have a great week. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our call for today. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.